In this episode of Your Double Podcast, we are speaking to Dan Hunt, a left-behind parent from Seattle, US. So far, we have released part one and two of our conversation with Dan Hunt. If you haven't heard those episodes, we will link it in our show notes, and you can listen to them first before listening to this episode. In part one and part two, we spoke at length about how he was tricked into having kids with his ex-boss, how he was manipulated into staying in the marriage. He struggles with getting divorced, child custody, child support, and so on. In this episode, we get deeper into many aspects of alienation, the red flags to look out for, and the lessons that will be beneficial to anyone going through similar situation as Dan. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. So back to the, the, uh, my son being at Seattle children's and her pulling him and not hearing from them. I then got another email from her a couple months later saying that, uh, he's back at Seattle children's. She need she wants to talk and she needs my help again. Well, I went down to Seattle children's and, uh, we met, we talked and this was about a year Time, you know, a year had passed. And um, I also started, and so I was going back and forth to children's. So I was working at my shop and I was also involved in with the canoe club. And I was also involved with a club that had a lot of conflict and a lot of drama. And I've realized that through, through the years of, of dealing with conflict and drama and Sometimes just the conflict that naturally happens with people when you're in a position where it's always been high conflict over the years, you start to have this inability to handle it. And for me, it, I, it, for me, I like, I, I just, I have a hard time dealing with conflict now because it turns into a fight or flight issue for me. And it's a, something I still struggle with. So a year goes, this year goes by, my son's back at Seattle Children's. I'm working on these canoes for this club. It's high conflict with them because they don't want to pay what it's worth to get them done. I'm thinking to myself, like, like, why am I in, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I giving these guys a break? I'm struggling to get their stuff done. I'm not making much. My son's at Seattle Children's. And my ex knew me, you know, she's known me for years now by this time. And she could tell that I was frustrated. And so she said, well, we could really use your, your help if, 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 if you would move down to Seattle and, and, and try again. And I'll help you with whatever you need help with, with your business. Like, just, we, we need your help. Your son needs your help. And like, I, I, like, I totally, I like, and I, I fall for it again. So I close up my business. 
I find a place to to store my tools down in Seattle, and and I find a position in another shop, the collision shop, and I find an apartment. And I move down, and I think to myself, okay, I'm across, I'm across the, uh, I'm across the water from them. I can take the ferry over for 30 minutes. Whenever there's an issue, Henry can, my son, my son can come over to see me. My daughter can come over to see me. Like I've got this apartment. I've got a okay paying position. Like. I've got distance between her where I can kind of, you know, keep a healthy boundary, you know, like seems like, seem like a good setup. Uh, she says she wants to meet one night and this is my son's out of children's. He's doing better. He was at, at also Ryther, which was uh, another place for kids having issues. And he got, you know, while he was there, she was told the same thing. Like you got to stop giving him his way. And, and she, wasn't having that. So she pulled him out of there. Um, he ended up going to Utah uh, for a three-week stint. And um, and that's another thing too, actually, now that I'm talking about uh, with that. So when I decided to close my business, I also decided to sell a lot of stuff and a lot of, a lot of uh, well, I sold you know my, my canoe that I had because I needed money to help pay for the co-payments that were that were involved in sending my son to this to this uh, program in Utah that you know he was having issues with, you know he was having issues and this place in Utah was a great place to send him to. So I decided to sell my canoe and 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 come up with funds to get him there because it was a three thousand dollar co-payment. So the community of paddlers that that I know that I, you know, was in, they saw that and they decided to do a fundraiser. They crowdfunded a few thousand dollars. I had people coming to my shop while I was closing up saying, we're sorry to see you go, but here's a couple hundred to put towards your son, whatever you need. And, uh, and I used it to help get him whatever he needed. I, he required hiking shoes. He required pants. He required backpack. He needed an iPod. He needed, he needed airfare to, to, fl- to, to fly back and forth to see him. Her and I drove him out to Utah and, and he, he was there for a month. I had a friend give up all of his air miles. So, so that, he could be visited while out there. <clears throat> and uh, she said, you know, also like, why don't you move? Why don't you move in? Um, so when he's back, like he has this whole family. And I'm like, I, I, I said, okay, I'll agree to it. You know, I agreed to it. And uh, we're all, we're all living together in her place. Uh, I moved my business over there. And the same, the same pattern happened again. And uh, 
I said, I'm not willing to move back in unless we have an agreement and a sign, like an agreement that we sign. And so I moved back in of September of 2017. And uh, I went back. My, I, I was given her $500 every week towards bills, you know, $2,000 a month. And it went back to the same thing that happened in Maui or the same thing that, that happened, you know, time and time, twice before in Maui where we agreed to something. We agreed to split the bills and she went back to not showing me the bills. Um, I said, I didn't want a relationship with her. I just, let's just do this as co-parents. And, and it went back to her not showing me the bills, me being an asshole for questioning what the bills were. And then Thanksgiving rolls around and her friend comes up from LA. One of her only friends that she had really ever had in the last 20 years, because she really, she left Hawaii with no friends. She left Portland with no friends. She left Seattle with her one friend, Kevin, that she just tossed like he didn't exist. Like she barely ever had anybody she was friends with. And anybody that she was friends with, her mom would destroy the relationship with. So I moved back in. Her mom's unhappy that I'm there. You know, she starts in on on, uh, picking me apart as well. And so new uh, Thanksgiving rolls around and I could, I can hear conversations kind of down below. And so I hear her talking to her friend and I hear her say that the seven fifty that I, that I pay in the, or the, the six twenty five the, the twelve fifty that I pay in child support that I was paying in child support prior to me moving in that she has been taking half of that and just having half of that same amount pulled from her paycheck so that it could be put into her 401k. So she was like, Oh, I put, I take six twenty five of his and I put it into my 401k. And I just like, I realized like, fuck, I wish I would have never heard that. I wish I would have never heard that. And I just go about my business, keep the peace. Like I don't bring it up to her because I know it's just going to start, start an argument. And going about the night and I come out of my room and there she is. And she, she's like, come over and kiss me. I tell her, no, like, I I don't want to like, like, let's not go there. And she goes, come on. You never just, you never just want to just grab me and kiss me. And I go, I go, no, I don't want, I, I think it's a bad idea. Like, I don't think it's something we should do. And she continues pushing more and more. And like, I, if she was on something, I don't know. But she kept pushing me and kept pushing me to have sex with her. And I ended up just giving in and having sex with her that night. And the next morning, it was like a switch went off. Like, she was just like, I'm not, we're, we're not to talk about last night. I go, okay. Let's not talk about last night. And um, she says, you're not giving me enough money. And I go, I go I, I'm giving you $500 a week and you're refusing to show me the bills. She goes, well, 
she goes, I shouldn't have to show you the bills. I go, well, we agreed to, to, to the, to splitting of the bills and I'm here to help and to, to reconnect with the kids. Is that not what we agreed to? And she said, she said, you're, you're to pay me what I, what I need for the bills. And if I say I need more, you're to get, you're to give me more somewhere along those lines. And it just became tense. And so she said the next day, she's like, well, we're moved, we're going to Albuquerque for Christmas. We'll be back on the 25th. I go, I go, I didn't hear about this. And like, I wasn't aware of this at all. And so she, her and the kids go to Albuquerque for Christmas. Like it's my first year, like thinking like, okay, maybe we're going to have like a family Christmas finally. And so I get emails and text from her saying, saying, I owe her, I owe her all this money for the past, for, for all these past bills. And I'm like, no, I don't. I've been giving you $500 a week for, for, for bills. Like, where's this coming from? And she starts saying, well, maybe, maybe while we're gone, then you should, then you should just move out. And I go, maybe I should just move out because you and I aren't getting along. And, and she just keeps going, keeps going back and forth until I started getting texts saying, where's my fucking money? And I'm like, I'm like, I go, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this. How about I just commit suicide and you'll never get another fucking cent from me again. And she said, she texted back and said, do it. And then apologized and said, nope, I'm sorry for saying that. We need to talk when we get back. Like it was volatile. So they get back on the 25th of, of, you know, on Christmas 2017. And whether you realize it or not, it's kind of crazy that you have tried to move in over and over again for your kids to save the marriage and all that. And things are just happening over and over again. And I hope that this is the last time that happened. But with that said, what happened next? Let's continue with the story. My daughter at the same time, like, wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't uh, look at me. And uh, New Year's Eve, I'll never forget it. My son and I are watching the the countdown. He's sitting next to me with his head on my with his head on my shoulder, just you know, relaxed. She's in her bedroom watching TV with with our daughter, and she's drinking. And I don't know if she had my daughter drinking or not. I think she did. But she comes out into the living room and steps in front of uh, the TV trying to get our son's attention. And like, he's like saying, mom, move, move, please move. Like I'm trying to watch this. And she's bouncing in front of him saying, saying like, well, you know, like just kind of teasing him. And he's like, mom, move. And she just comes unglued and says, you motherfuckers. I wish the both of you would move out. You fucking assholes. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I'm stunned that she's talking to him this way. And he went from being calm 
and relaxed to shaking. And, and she storms back into her room, slams the door. And I go, okay, let I go, you know what? Let's just shut the TV off. Let's go upstairs. And so I take him upstairs. He's asking what happened? What happened? Why, why was she mad? Why was she mad? And I go, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just, you can stay, you can stay with me. Like, just, let's just, like, I just, let's just settle down. And I calmed him down. Like he, he, you could tell he was shaken. He was tired. So he went to sleep. I went to sleep, got up the next morning and, uh, she was already gone. And I asked him, I go, I go, what do you want to do today? And yeah, I could tell he was flustered from the night before. And I said, and he goes, I just want to do nothing day. I go, okay, that's fine by me. Let's have a do nothing day. You maybe let's go for a walk. Okay. So we, we did that that day. And so she comes back that afternoon and asks what we did. And I go, well, he wanted to do nothing day. And, uh, she goes, she goes, you guys can do anything today. And I go, I go after last night, he wanted to do nothing day. He goes, you're, she goes, you're here to take him out on and do things. And I go, if he's shaken up from last night, he can have a do nothing day. That's fine by me. And she just lost it. She, uh, she started saying that um, that this is you know like that it's not going to work out, and I go, yeah, this isn't working out. I go, the, the, the everything that we agreed to is not happening, and she goes, and by the way, where's my money? And I go, I go, I've got money coming next week. I will, if you want extra, I'll give you extra. And that was that. We didn't talk. And so the next day rolls by, I think it was like the 6th of January. And, um, I got up that morning and like, they did little things too. Like we had Netflix and we all had our own, our own user name and my Netflix name on that was removed. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Huh? Weird. But didn't think anything of it. My daughter wasn't talking to me. and so. I, uh, I got up that morning, left a check on the fridge and a copy of the agreement that we had made and said, here's an $800 check. Um, please sign the agreement. And if you don't sign the agreement, I mean, I'm going to cancel the check. And she got that. Um, and I came in that, you know, that evening, I, uh, she said she she messages me and says, um, or no, she had messaged me that day and said, said you agreed to fourteen hundred dollars. Where's my fucking money? And I go, I go, I didn't like, I didn't agree to fourteen hundred dollars. I gave you there's eight hundred dollars towards bills. Did you sign the agreement? And she she said, where's the you? She said you agreed to fourteen hundred dollars. Give me my fuck. No, she said, she said, she, she said, fork over the fucking money, fork over the money or get the fuck out. 
And I go, I'm not giving you anything unless you sign the agreement. And then she said, get the fuck out. And, and that was planned because when I got home that evening, my son was at his grandma's. It was just her. And my daughter started saying, dad, where's the money? If you don't hand over the money, it's time for you to leave. And I go, I go, this isn't between you and me. This is between your mother and I. She goes, no, it's between you and me and my mother. And I go, no, it's not. This is between you, your mother and I. And she said, give hand fork over the money. Give us the money. And I go, I go, I'm not, I'm not, I go, I'm not given anything until the agreement signed. And then her mom yells out, you've got 30 minutes to get out or, or I'm calling the cops. And I'm like, I'm like thinking to myself, like calling the cops for what? But I also know how this ends when any time a woman threatens the cops or any partner threatens the cops. But if you're a male, you usually end up on the bad side of things. Even though I've never happened to me, I just didn't want to see that happen. So she goes, then then she slammed the door and said, $4,800, $4,800, $4,800. I'm like, what the? what the hell is she doing? Like, she's like lost her shit repeating $4,800. And then my daughter saying, dad, it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to collect your stuff. It's time for you to leave. And I'm like, you need to step away from all of this. You're, you're a child in all this and you're not your mom's, you're not your mom's pet. It, you, you, this is, this is not your role. This is not your position. This is not healthy for you. And she said, don't you tell me what's healthy and what's not for me. And I go, just give me my space so I can get my stuff. Or I just told my daughter, just give me my space to give give me my stuff so I can get my stuff. I got my stuff. And I go to the door. And while her mom's in the bedroom yelling, screaming, I give you know, yelling, saying that she wants her money. And I packed my car with whatever I could pack in it. And my daughter's like, okay, dad, it's time for you to, it's time for you to leave. And by the way, where's the key? This isn't your position. Like, this is not, you are like, this is this, you, your mother is borderline personality disordered and you're being weaponized. Like, this is not right. This is not right, honey. You need to seek counseling. And I can't order the key. And I drove to the 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 shop that uh, the the container that I was storing canoes in. And I slept in that container that night in the first week of January, freezing. And got up the next morning and found a place to live. It was horrible. So. I found a place to live. I uh, told her that, you know, she said, we're going, you owe me $4,800 in back child support since September. And I go, like, I, and I, I go, no, you know what? Just say that uh, child support was current up until September. And uh, we'll figure that out, you know, and we emailed back and forth. And as soon as she said, as soon as I finally got her to email me that child support was current, 
I then went and opened up my own child support case. And, uh, and as soon as I did that, I stopped hearing from the kids, um, most of the time. And then my son was also going to this new counselor that he was seeing and that we had seen a couple times. And so I, I, uh, I'm driving home one day and this is like maybe a month after a month, month and a half after, um, the whole, the whole falling out. And I see my son walking down the street and he sees me and he, you know, he waves for me to, to pull over and pick him up. I pick him up and he starts saying, uh, talking about a girl that was asked about a, to give a blowjob at school. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, she was asked to give a blowjob. I, I would, I, I, I said, no, I told her to say no. And I go, yeah, anybody, anytime anybody asks you to say that, you tell them no. And he goes, yeah. And, and I go, I go, okay. I, I go, what do you, what do you say when somebody asks you that? And he says, no, you say no. And I go, yes, exactly. So that was that literally a conversation that lasted 20 seconds, 15 seconds at most. And so I take him, uh, take him back home, drop him off. I go back to my place and a day later, a couple of days later, I get a, I get a call from his counselor saying, Hey, um, uh, would like to talk, would like to meet with you, um, tomorrow. Uh, but I would like to meet with you for a few minutes, uh, first. Um, are you available? And I said, yeah, I'm available. So I sit down and I talk with her and she says, um, I wanted to talk with you first before calling the authorities. And I go, I'm thinking to myself, what fucking happened? What happened at home? And she says, um, your son came in talking to me about you and him in the car and talking about blowjobs. And I go, I go, what? And she goes, what can you tell me about this? And I, and my stomach, like at this point with all the stress that I had been through in the last year, years, like this, it fucking shocked me. And I go, I go, are you, I, I go, are you fucking kidding me? And she goes, she goes, I want, I want to know what happened. And I go, I go, I picked my son up and he gets in the car and he starts talking about a girl being asked to give blowjobs at school. And I told her to say no. And I go, and I, I he, he goes, I would just say no. And I said, yeah, Henry, anytime, or yeah, anytime somebody ever asks you that, you tell them no. And, and I, I said, what do you tell him? And he goes, no. I go, yeah, exactly. I go, it was a, it was a 15 second conversation driving around a roundabout. And now it's turned into you pulling me in here thinking that that something like that would happen with my son. I go, you've got to be kidding me. And she could tell that it was the truth, but also that it was dumbfounding that she would even think that like that I was dumbfounded that it would it even get to that point. 
And I, and I told her, I go, I go, it is baffling to me that like, I do understand that you have to ask these things, but for you to even think that something like that would happen is, is, is mind blowing. And, And it makes me really realize how much of a scary situation I'm in dealing with his mom, who you don't quite seem to understand is extremely manipulative. Like just because she's a school teacher doesn't, that doesn't mean that she's, she's mentally like all there or, and not personality disorder. And she's like, well, this isn't about his mom. And I go, yeah, no, it really is. I go, it's parental alienation. It's manipulation happening for years. It's coercion. It's the children being weaponized, but you counselors don't seem to see that there's what parental alienation is. It's, it's, you you guys, you're completely ignorant to it. I go, you need to do yourself a favor and realize what's going on because guys like me and people like me, they're in these positions, these volatile positions are at your mercy. And she apologized for, for what, uh, for, for it all. And, you know, we kind of agreed that like, of course, like if anything like that does like come up, of course they have to ask. That's their job. I don't blame them for that, but it also shook me. And then that was that. And so the meeting was over and, uh, and then I tried like weeks went by where I didn't hear from him, didn't, didn't see him, couldn't like, didn't, couldn't call him, couldn't text, they'd never pick up. And then we uh, had another meeting. And um, like I'm emailing also my ex. And like by this time, I like I had completely lost my shit. Like throughout the, the last five, seven years of the back and forth parental alienation, I got into this bad habit of emailing her, telling her like, this isn't right. This is why you're doing this. This is parental alienation. This is, this is destroying our kids. This is, and I realized like that just goes nowhere. Like, um, that's also any advice I could give to anybody that's in this position. Like if you're feeling emotion, like if and you're in the same position where you're, you're helpless, the last thing you need to be doing is emailing your ex trying to explain to him what's going on or what you think is wrong with him. It's going to fall on deaf ears and it's only going to make your life worse if if she ever wanted to take you to court for for, you know, aggressive emails <clears throat> which that's never gotten to the point in my case but you know, thank God it hasn't. But it's always been threatened that it would so I uh, go back to counsel, the next counseling session, March 27th of 2018. And uh, I, um, we go in, Henry's there, and he automatically says, I don't have to be here. And she says, well, no, you don't have to be here, but, but you're here. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's all talk. Okay? And so we all, we start talking. And he's still like, I don't want to be here. Like, I, 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 sh-. my mom said, I don't have to be here. And she goes, well, your dad wants you here. 
And he goes, well, that he doesn't matter. And so the second he said that, his mom called his phone. He says his name and says, if, you know, if you don't want to be there, you can just get up and leave. And, and the counselor is like, we would prefer that you, that you stay. Can you tell her that you, to, that you prefer to stay? And she hears that and says, says, you know, you don't have to listen to her or him. You can get up and leave if you want. And he gets up and leaves and says, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be here. I'm leaving. And he gets up and leaves. And that's the last time I talked to him in almost three years now. And, uh, Kept trying to call him, kept trying to text him, realizing that I would never get be able to get a hold of my daughter or get a hold of like I stopped mess emailing her, just realizing that like I'd sent a couple nasty emails, realizing that you know I, sh- I shouldn't have sent them because uh, they're just not gonna not gonna go anywhere. And uh, after after a few months went by, I just I I kept begging for her to stop alienating me from the kids. I begged her to, to, to like, let's try to find some common ground. Never went anywhere. And then I started really researching out, like, what has happened over the last, you know, the last 10 years, 12 years, and really kind of getting myself through this grief that I was in. And um, I started just kind of educating myself more and, and exercising a lot more and training more. And I, uh, started training for a long distance, 70 mile race, uh, from Tacoma to Port Townsend and, um, and battling with another club in Seattle and, uh, um, ended up meeting this woman that uh, was also training for the same race and that I also knew through uh, when she was one of my customers when I had my shop in Bellingham. And um, we ended up training together and talking more. And uh, um, we've been together ever since, uh, ever since uh, June of 2018. And uh, started to get myself involved with that, educating myself more on parental alienation. And um, my daughter's birthday came around, you know, in February. And so I decided, you know, like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to drive down to Bainbridge and I'm going to give her, I'm going to leave just leave birthday presents for her on the front porch. So I, uh, I did and she happened to be there. So I knocked on the door and she came out and I told her, you know, happy birthday. And here's, um, here's the gift. I gave her a couple of gifts and I told her that, you know, I love you very much. And, um, I just know that I'm here for you whenever you want to talk. And, um, I'll always be. I'll always love you and I'll always be available for you whenever you're, whenever you're ready. And, uh, I, I, can I give you a hug? And she said, yeah, we gave each other a hug 
I told her I loved her. She said she loved me. And that was that. My, you know, my partner was in her car. We were in her car. She was watching the the whole exchange. And, um, And I got back in the car and drove away and and we went and stopped at a restaurant to to eat because we were starving. And I was just like crying to her saying I'm, I was thankful that like I got that time with her. Like that brief, beautiful little moment. And I go, I just said like, I wish, I just wish that things would just not be so chaos, you know, chaotic. And, uh, the second we were talking, I said that I get this email from, from my ex and it says, you show up at my house again, I'm going to file a restraining order. Brutal. So we just, we end up eating lunch, leave. My son's birthday is the next month in March. So his birthday rolls around and I just figured, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to bring him gifts too. So I drive down, we drive down. And I leave gifts on the front porch and I, uh, he's not there. So I uh, go to, I knew him from when I was living there on Bainbridge. I knew he liked to go to Walgreens all the time because it's just a place he liked to walk to. So I drive up to the Walgreens and I go in and I kind of look around and I don't see him there. And, um, grab some ibuprofen because I was getting a headache. So I buy some ibuprofen, walk back out. As I'm walking to our car, I see my daughter's car there. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if she parked it there for for taking the ferry because the parking's expensive down by the ferry or if she, or if it like it's left here. And so I go back in and I go, I go, Hey, my, I came up here because my son is also always comes to Walgreens. He's, you know, I explained what his, what he looked like. And she was like, oh, yeah, we love him so much. His sister, his sister works here. You want me to go? Your daughter then, I guess. Do you want me, to, want me to go get her? And I go, I go, uh, no, no, it's okay. Like, um, I don't want to disturb her. And he goes, and she goes, she goes, no, let me go get her. And I go, I go, okay, okay. So she goes and gets her. And my daughter comes around the corner, looks at me, angry, and looks at me and points to the front door. And like, like I'm to follow her out the front door. So she walks out to the front door. I walk out behind her. And she starts yelling and screaming at me that I'm a deadbeat dad, that I don't pay my child support, that I'm better, that I don't care about her, that I don't care about her brother, that all I do is hate her mom and that I'm a piece of shit. And I go, and I just, I, I, I was like, listen, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't be joining the, joining an organization trying to fight what's going on. Like you are alienated kids. You're, we're, you're being weaponized by your mom. Like, and I'm, and I'm like trying to like talk to her. And at the same time, my, 
my partner is realizing like she's also witnessing it all and she's like she's like stunned as well and just watching me get just yelled at by my daughter but at the same time it all if if you if it was anybody else like you could watch me too and it probably looked like I was yelling and and uh and verbally assaulting her it was like she was yelling at me but it doesn't matter like it uh it was an argument out in front of a drugstore and she's and she told me she's like you're don't you ever don't you ever show up my work again you were never around for us you don't care about us you don't love me or my brother go away i hate you disappear and i uh i i go you know what i love you i miss you i'm leaving right now and I turned back around. I walked to the car and I go, we need to just leave. We need to just leave. And so we left. We happened to just get on the next ferry and took the ferry across. And it was, I was, it knocked me for a loop. And so a week goes by, a couple of weeks go by. And, um, Another uh, canoe comes into LA that I was to pick up. And so I fly down to uh, go pick it up. And um, a buddy of mine that I know down there, like we decide to like drive up together because he's got a truck and a trailer. And so we load the canoes up, we drive up and um, halfway up there, we, we decide to stay in a hotel. I get a, I get a call. And it's a police officer from Bellingham. And he goes, hi, uh, is this uh, Daniel Hunt? And I go, yeah. And I go, he goes, I would, I'd like to talk to you. I've got uh, something here for you. I go, well, I'm out of town right now, but I'm going to be back in Bellingham on this date. Can we talk then? And he goes, I, he goes yes. He goes, um, it's really important that you do not contact, you know, your, your daughter. Um, and we will speak to you when when you're here in Bellingham. Um, but just know that you've been advised to not talk to her. Reach out to her in any form. And so I go, okay. And uh I talk to the op- I meet with the officer, my exes, my uh my partners there with me, and my da- my daughter had filed a restraining order against me saying that I verbally assaulted her at her work. And, um, and that I had threatened to drive her and her brother off a cliff in Maui. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And I, and he serves me at the order and that I was to appear in court in Bainbridge Island on a certain date. And that I have, you know, that I have uh, the ability to fight it or, you know, say my piece. And so I realized that when one day my daughter and I were driving, um, I told her about what had happened in Maui. And, and it, uh, she used it against me. and. 
like I go back and forth thinking about thinking about that day. Like she's she, she is positive that she said that I threatened to drive her and her brother off a cliff. And there's no way I would have ever threatened that. You know, I I it, it what scares me about it is that my my grandpa from my mom's side, my my mom's dad used to threaten suicide in front of in front of his kids all the time. And I was thinking to myself, like, Jesus, did I like, did I like mentally lose it at one point and threaten that with my kids? And I, and being through all that I've been through, I questioned that back and forth. Like, did, is that something that I threatened? And I know we as adults and as parents screw up and say stupid shit all the time, say things that we regret. And I even heard my ex say one time that she just sometimes wanted to just kick my son out of the car, but I never like held that against her. I just know that sometimes parents just lose their shit. So did I say that to her? I don't think so. If I did, I spaced, I don't remember saying it, but I don't, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that I ever threatened that. But I also know that the same time, like I was going to, I, I told her that I was going to drive myself off because of the despair that I was in, you know, she was almost an adult and I felt it was okay to tell her about, about my, you know, the stress that I'd been through. And so she used, she used that against me and we went to court and, uh, you know, I had, I had written out everything that had happened over the last few years and it really honestly didn't matter because the second I went into the court, the look on the judge's face was that I was guilty before I even walked in. And so we go in, she has a domestic violence advocate with her. She's, she says her piece. She's, she's crying. She's, she's sounding emotionally hurt. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is, this, this girl is the byproduct of her and her mother and her mother and I fighting, never being able to get along. And and being controlled and manipulated by her mother for years, and this is the byproduct. This is a separating of herself, in you know, like severing her 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 relationship with me. And then I say, I tell my tell her my piece. Like, if I was this like such bad guy, then why would my ex continuously ask me to move in and help out? And, 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 and jump whenever she needed. And the judge says, well, she has, she has, she has a son with a disability. What do you expect her to do? And I'm like, I'm stunned by that. You know, after, after the whole thing, like my partner and I are like, so I say my piece and the judge says, you know, comes back in for the ruling. And she says, you lack the emotional, uh, you lack the emotional awareness 
to realize the destructive uh, behavior you've you've caused to your son and daughter. And 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 you know, basically blows my mind that that you can be so disconnected. And I'm like, my mouth drops. I look at my partner because she's there with me. And her mouth is dropped too. Like she said her piece as well. And it's like nothing we said even mattered. And we're just stunned. And she rules the, you know, puts a temporary restraining order into effect. I fucking lose it. I start crying. I'm then escorted by a cop, by a police officer into the separate room. And he says, I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm so sorry. This is false. This is a false allegation. And you, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve this. Don't tell me, but I said this, but don't, but you don't deserve this. And, but I also need you to sign this. And like I signed this read this order and, uh, I walk out and, uh, and, uh, I'm destroyed. Like just, I'm utterly destroyed. And honestly, that's one of the worst and most brutal and sad story that I've heard on this particular podcast, talking to all the guests that we had so far. But with that said, uh, what happened next? Because I'm now dying to find out how, you arrived to a point that uh, you got back to yourself and figured out what to do next. A cop came, led me into a room to sign papers. And uh, while I'm in there, he, he said, I'm not supposed to tell you this. I could get in trouble for this, but that was unfair. What just happened to you. And I'm so sorry. You don't deserve that. She'll hope your daughter will hopefully come around and realize what she's done, but you didn't deserve this. And I'm so sorry. And I'm just, I'm, I'm busted up. I'm crying. Uh, my wife's holding my hand. It, uh, it was destroying. And, uh, we signed the papers and then I, 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 and then we left and, um, months go by, you know, the year goes by and, and, uh, it just, it destroyed me. Like it, 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 it destroyed me. I couldn't, um, I had a hard time getting through the day every day. I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I had a hell of a time getting through 2019. Like it, it, it destroyed me. So it took like, and my wife stood by my side too. She, we were only dating at the time, but she, she stood by me and 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 
you know, she, my, my wife as well has been in, has been in abusive relationships before. So she knows that she knows when there's, when a guy is a piece of shit and when a guy is not, and she knew that I wasn't a piece of shit and that I didn't deserve what was happening to me. And so she stood by my side the whole time and, and still does. We have, um, so as soon as, as time went on and I got my senses together and we, uh, we started thinking about it, like what, like, like just little things that didn't seem to add up, like the way she looked at me when I first walked in and the way she said, um, maybe it's because she has an autistic son. Those were kind of red flags that we didn't quite understand what, like, why was that? So we started doing a little bit of digging and, um, came to find out that that judge works at the same school that my ex-wife teaches at, um, volunteering for parent teacher admit for the, for PTA. And being that it's a small Island and a small school, I can bet money that that was something that her her and my ex-wife were had 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 like like made sure happened um do you think your ex-wife kind of manipulated the judge as well or probably the judge kind of suggested these to your ex-wife and they're working together on this. What do you think uh, happened there? I think it was, I think it was a little bit of both. I think, um, I think that my ex has, has done really well at, at getting to know all the people that she needs to know to, to always have power. Um, because that's always been her, her MO. Um, she uh you know in 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 my my opinion she 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 became a teacher to to hide behind the person that she is and you know or or that you know she, how she was in the first you know first 20 years of her upbringing i mean her first 20 was she was married by 21 she was she was a, a drug addict she uh she worked as a stripper in her late twenties, uh, then moved on to working for the record industry. She was, she became marketing director for zoo records and BMG records and RCA records. And she is very, very versed in, in putting a face on and, uh, and, putting up a front, um, you know, her, her whole background ever before, um, becoming a teacher was sales, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's someone who's really smart and also understand how to manipulate people, but just that her talent has been used in the wrong way in this situation. Yeah. 
Very much so. But, you know, if you stand back and look at her, you see she's covered in tattoos with almost every limb is covered in tattoos. She is, she is defensive and scared. And that's how, like, that's at the, that's what's at the core of her. And everything outside of that is, is just, um, is a high conflict personality and who rules with intimidation and manipulation and coercion. And she takes whatever she wants from anybody when she needs something. And she manipulates those around her to, to, to get her way with things. And, um, I really, I mean, that's when you boil it all down, that's what it, that's what it is. Right. Now with that said, right, let's get back to what's happening currently. Like, uh, have you been able to get in touch with her? Like, uh, update me on what's been happening since the restraining order have been put in place. So as it is now, the, it's been two years now. It, um, April 3rd was the, uh, was the final date. Um, I still haven't talked to my, I haven't talked to my son who I'm, I'm closer to than my daughter. Uh, I haven't talked to him since March 27th, uh, 27, uh, 2018. I haven't heard from them through the pandemic. I haven't heard anything. Um, and I'm also at a point now where I realized that like, this isn't the time to to go back to the same MO that I used to do every time she used to alienate and email her telling her like, we can't, like, this is wrong. We, this is parental alienation. You can't do this to me. You know, this, this is unfair. You're hurting the, hurting the children. You're hurting me. Like we need to be friends. We need her to learn it learn how to get along. Like those emails did nothing but stoke the fire and show how much pain I was in. And it didn't do any good. All it did was give her powers that she could show our, my daughter, because she, she, my daughter told me at that, at, well, when we were having that exchange in front of the drugstore that I've seen the emails that you send mom, you hate, all you do is harass her. All you, all you do is you don't pay your child support. You, you don't care about us. And I'm just like this, it's so the polar, it's the polar opposite. And so I realize now that that's not the way to go you, you, when, you, when you've got a high conflict ex. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when people have like narcissistic behavior and they have a need to control things and uh, make sure everybody follow what they say and they use manipulation as a method to reach that, they also like to know that you're suffering and you have to subscribe to whatever they're saying because of the suffering because they don't really care how they gain the control. All they care about is having that control. So that can come through manipulation, that can be uh, through causing hurt and harm to other people, abusing them in multiple ways, physical, emotional, mental, and all this. So I think what you're saying holds true here, where you were subjected to all that because you kept submitting to that and trying to work something out to somebody who's naturally uh, will be able to thrive in a high-conflict environment. Oh, man, every, everything. 
everything. And the, the most amazing thing to it too is, and like we didn't, and we, I don't know if we, if we, we covered my, well, we did cover my son being in, um, children's hospital and being in, 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 um, uh, rather another, you know, a, a school uh, or, a a, a place for kids to work through their emotional issues. We covered that, right? Yep, we definitely talked about that. We did. So there was a couple things that I don't think I mentioned um, that I mentioned um, when we were talking last. And one of them was, were, were a couple of, a few things that have always stuck out and were always, you know, they're, they're always like, wow, like that's who she is. And one of them was when, the the nights that i was the nights that i was spending there and in children's um my son would have a room that he would he would be in to to calm down and um we you know her and i were taking uh exchanging you know nights back and forth so one uh one there i was there for like a day and a half this, this one time and uh while i'm there um, I get told by the nurses that my son is having like kind of a, a kind of a spat with another with another kid there, and um, and they asked me if I could just reassure my son to just not engage, and I said okay, no problem. And I go, what? How would you like me to 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 make sure he stays disengaged? And they said just they said you know just tell him just ignore him and and redirect him to something else. I said, okay, no problem. So I get there and sure enough, this kid is at his door, you know, yelling for him. And I can tell it's agitating my son. And, and I'm telling him, Hey, and just don't worry about it, man. Just, just ignore him. Don't give him power. Don't give him any energy. Just let's just focus on this. And, you know, we were, I think we were playing a game, like a board game. and the kid's still knocking on the door, trying to get his attention. And I'm like, just reassuring him. No, and don't, don't worry about it. Just, just ignore him. And it started getting to a point where he became less and less agitated by this kid. So my ex shows up and she comes into the room and we're sitting down on the floor with him. We're just kind of exchanging how things are going. and the kid comes back the door's closed and the kid comes back to the door and starts knocking on it and yelling for my son. I go, you know what to do. And he's like, yeah, I know what to do. And so he, he ignores him and the kid knocks again. And my ex, I, I go, I tell my ex, like the nurse wants me to just like have him ignore and just re redirect him. And she goes, she goes, fuck that. Go away. And she's yells at the kid, go away. And I'm like, fuck. This is exactly what you're not supposed to do. So then my son starts repeating what she's saying. And he starts yelling at him, go away, go away. And then he starts escalating from there. And I said to her, I go, this is exactly what we don't want to have happen. And because I said that it was like, I dropped the atom bomb. Like I corrected a special education teacher on how to 
how to redirect a child with a disability. And that's like, that's, that, that's like the ultimate, like, like slap in the face to her as a narcissist. And, and I knew right then and there that I should have just held my tongue and not said anything to her because I didn't even, I didn't say it in any, in, in an angry or aggressive or anything like that way. I just said, this is not what, this is not what they're asking us to do. They like, he, he needs to just be re- redirected and, and, and ignore. And it, it blew up in my face. So for the next couple of days there, a couple of days after that, she, uh, she wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't email me on how his days were. We were back to like communicating a little bit before that. Cause she had, you know, there was a, there was a problem and she needed somebody to come in and, and rescue. Like it always has been with me with the, with the Cartman drama triangle. That's that I believe is like the blueprint of a really, the relationship with her and, and her mom. And, uh, and it took it took weeks to recover from that to where she started talking again, but would never talk about that. And it was just a simple exchange, but it was it was the worst thing that had ever happened in her eyes. So um, we then have a meeting between between her and the uh, the main counselor there, and uh, at at Ryther, at yeah at Children's. And, um, and the counselor says, um, to, to my ex that like, try not to try not to jump every time he says he needs something because it's, that's kind of like the baseline for enabling his behavior. So when he doesn't get what he wants, he escalates until he finally gets what he wants, right? These are very basic child rearing, you know exercises her and and she she says that or to my ex and I said I said that's what I've been trying to say and I thought like that maybe since I had a counselor there you know in the room with us that maybe I was I had a safe a safe spot to speak and sure enough it it blew up in my face she I saw the look on her face go from it just went to straight bulldog uh it's a you know just complete bulldog um so we leave she doesn't talk to me she doesn't say a word to me i go and i say bye to my son for that day and uh she says um says nothing to me and we i leave and, um, I email her saying, okay, I'll, you know, what days do you need me down there? She wouldn't, she wouldn't email me. She wouldn't message me. She wouldn't call me. And so, um, I called down there and I asked him how he's doing and she pulled him out. Um, she, she didn't like, she thought she know she knew more than them. And so she pulled them, pulled him out and, uh, and I went back to not hearing from him from my daughter from her for for months i think it was an it was another like i i you know it was back to me doing the same cycle of emailing her trying to like like call text 
what's going on? Like, I'm like, what's happening? Nothing. Um, and so that pattern kept repeating itself. Um, but, uh, now I've kind of feel, I feel like I'm gone off track a little bit. Um, yeah, Dan, I just uh, want to get slightly deeper into what you mentioned about the restraining order that your daughter took against you. And I want to know whether what's your theory behind why she did that. Was she manipulated? Was she gaslighted into doing that? Or she actually meant to do that? Yeah, so she knew that I traveled back and forth. And I think that's why that restraining order got put in place. I I believe she 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 coerced and manipulated our, our daughter to, to file it. Uh, I believe that with my daughter doing that action, you know, doing what, doing that, I believe after reading up, you know, in the last few years of, of digging really deep into everything, I believe that would be almost like a splitting of self for my, for my daughter. Yeah, that's that. I mean, so my daughter even removed her my last name and she didn't take on her, her mom's last name either. Like she, I think, I think she has had it between, uh, between her, her, between, uh, her being in between her mother and I, even though I never wanted her to be in the middle, she got put in the middle by default by her mother. Um, and, and also by me, by the mistakes I, I made in, in communicating with her at times, uh, be, you know, when I would, when I would speak up about what was going on, um, never to the same degree that her mother probably did, but still, still at the same fault, you know, um, you know, I had no, I had no clue that, you know, my ex is, you know, she's that volatile, I think it's also because you came from a small town, was not very exposed to females who have that kind of personality. So when you saw all this happening in your heart, you just wanted to make it work. And you thought one of these days, uh, she will change her mind and become somebody that you can work something together with. So you kept going back to her over and over again. Am I right? Yeah, totally. And the thing is, is like for the longest time, I thought like, okay, I thought like, okay, she may be like an absolute for the most part, but I always saw her as like kind of intelligent. And re I realize now over the years, like that, you know, it took me a while to get here because of the influence she had on me. I mean, you know, I was very malleable when I first met her and she was kind of like this, like worked for the record industry runs the coolest paper in Seattle person. Like I was very malleable and kind of starstruck by her, you know, and I was like, I was like easy kill, uh, for, her. um, but I think what, what she didn't expect was for me to, for, to, for me to stay as long as I have and, and, and to keep my head up and, and keep fighting. I think, um, I think her, her, and her mom thought I would just like kind of just slowly just go away if they just kept treating me like shit. Um, but I love my kids. I'm not going to give up. Never happened. Um, so that was, that was the, you know, a, a couple of, that was one of the big things. I think the other big thing that I, that I mentioned was that I don't know if I mentioned was when we were, 
when we were going through the divorce and I had picked up my kids at uh, her mom's house one weekend and I came in to get them and grab their stuff. And I had noticed that my face was cut out out of all the family photos. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got to her mom's house and I'm picking the kids up and you know, this is back in 2009 when we were going through the, going through the divorce and uh, yeah, her mom had all, my face cut out of all the photos and they were, they were low enough for my kids to see. And I, uh, I, I didn't say anything about it. I think I was so, I was so shocked and stunned by it that that I, and it was so traumatic that I almost erased it out of my mind. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, very, very, that's, is it's so mad. That's, that that's messed up on so many levels. Um, but like back to the, the timeline, the basic, so the timeline just went on where for the last, two years. Um, I, you know, I haven't had any exchanges with, with, with her, of course, because of that restraining order. And I haven't heard from my son. I haven't emailed my ex because I, I, I will no longer, I will no longer communicate with her unless it's through, uh, a, a third party. And, you know, whether that's, um, and that third party has got to be somebody who's experienced with parental alienation and experienced with narcissist, borderline personality disordered, uh, people. Um, it, uh, I, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't communicate directly to her anymore. It, uh, that's just not the way to go. Um, so as it stands now, what I'm looking for, is I'm looking for reunifi- reunification, uh, but through a third party. Um, All right, then. Now that we have gone through your story for the last, uh, I don't know, six, seven hours through these episodes here, what are the red flags or lessons that you have learned through your journey that you can tell people out there that are going through things like what you, are, you have gone through what will you say? What are your advices? What are the red flags that you should have noticed and other things that you can tell them now? So I've got a few different, some notes here and they're, it's kind of extensive. Maybe, and hopefully it'll be something that you guys could, could glean from and maybe be helpful out there. Um, I do have one of, one of these is, uh, Signs of early, signs early on uh, that should have that should have alerted me of what high conflict and gaslighting was to come that I may not have covered when we were talking. So when um, there was this one time when uh, actually does this even make any sense? Does it even matter? I'll I'll say it anyways. So there when I had come back from. Uh, when I had come back to Seattle, when she asked me to come back and we were living back together in the house, you know, a few months before my daughter was born, we, she had gone on a business trip and I asked, and, and, um, she asked me to pick her up at the airport 
So I go to pick her up at the airport and, um, we're there and, uh, you know, she's, she brings, she puts her stuff on a cart. We walk, you know, I push the cart to the car where, where I parked and, uh, we're loading stuff in. She's, she's, uh, you know, grabbing her stuff, putting it in the back of the back of the car, the SUV. And, uh, I go to take the cart back. And I don't know if you, if you know the, the, the cart situation with people, like there's the type of person that put, takes the cart back and there's the type of person that doesn't, this is where this plays into comes into play. So I go to take the cart back and, uh, and she yells at me and says, what are you doing that for? Just leave it right there. And I go, Oh, I, I go, no, I, I'll take it back. She goes like, no, leave it. We've got to go. And I'm like, okay. So I leave the cart there and I get back in, I get in the car and she, she was the one unloading it while I was in the front making room. And so we get in the car, we drive home, we get there and she realizes that the purse, her purse was on the cart. And, you know, this is something that I should have, I should have like, holy shit, this is a huge red flag. So she noticed that her, notices that her purse isn't on the cart. And I, uh, I go, I go, she goes, you left it on the cart. And I go, I go, you were unloading the cart. I was up. I was up in front of the car, moving stuff around. And she goes, how could you, how could you leave your pregnant girlfriend's purse on the cart? You, I'm in, uh, she was like, I'm leaving now to go get it. You better fucking pray that, that it's still there. And I, fuck, I just remember that moment where she like left the house and I'm, I remember starting to sweat and panic. And I remember like literally praying that the purse was there. And I just, I look back at that moment then. And I just think like that there was her taking no responsibility for anything that she ever does that bad happens. And she throws it onto anybody else and everybody else around her. And that was that if anybody's in a relationship like that, where they where the other person doesn't ever take blame for their own mistakes, get out. Cause that, th- that was a huge red flag that I missed. Yeah. Then that's an absolute red flag. If you ask me uh, from what I know, talking to the experts, most narcissists will never be able to admit that they did something wrong. Will never be able to reconcile in their brain and say like, Hey, I did a mistake here. They never be able to, actually compute that in the head because they always are trying to be perfect by any means possible. Yeah. It's man, it's, it's funny how, how you think this doubt you, it's funny how you think like a narcissist is, is like, or this person you're with is like, they're so unique in, 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 in individual in the way they act and the way they are, but there are so many of them out there. And they all hit the same, they all, they all hit those same, um, benchmarks. They hit all those same tabs that, that, uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's, um, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. So the other one, the other, the other red flag that I should have seen early on as well was, was how much men in the, in that in her family are disposable and they're, and, and it's, it's, um, 
it's something I should have really paid attention to. Um, her mother had been married four times. Um, and a year prior to my daughter being born, her last husband um, uh, ended up drinking and 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 killing him, like killing himself. And this was he was this was two years after they got divorced. And um, the more and more I heard over the years, it was it was her trying to get money out of him because of of her trying to take credit for his art career. He was a full-blooded, he was a full-blooded, uh, uh, full-blooded Cherokee, uh, Indian who, um, who also went to art school. And if you look him up online, Ed Defender, he, uh, he has a lot of artwork out there. And when she had first met him, um, she had told him that he could paint in her, uh, in her art room that she had in her house. And he did a lot of, they, they got married. He did art for a couple of years and, uh, and, you know, he really kind of put himself on the map for this Southwest, you know, Native American art. And, um, they ended up getting divorced, you know, of course, divorce happens. It was her fourth husband. Um, she wanted to, she wanted, um, uh, royalties and credit for, for, for his artwork. And, and I imagine if, if she acted the same way that my ex is, is acted towards me, you know, being that my ex learned it from her, from her mom, I imagine she probably drove him to, to drink and, and eventually committing suicide. And, you know, he, he died at 47 years old, I think. Um, and then it turned out, you know, after, after, um, he passed away, you know, even two years after they're divorced, she, she then tried that she then tried to, uh, come after the, his, his land, um, in South Dakota. And her plan was to take the land from the family because she felt that it was owed to her. And then she was going to send, sell it back to the Sioux nation and, uh, didn't happen. They ended up, um, they ended up basically telling her, like you're an interloper. You like, you don't, you're not even, you don't even belong. Like you were divorced two years prior and you're no longer in the will. And I, we, they were surprised that she even became like, it even got so involved, but she thought she was owed all this land and that she was going to be rich off of it. When you, when you look at all the, like how she acted morally, it's just, it's, it's gross. It's, uh, it's pathetic. It's, um, like no good human acts that way. Um, but even with her own kids, you know, her daughter, um, her, her daughter, uh, you know, my ex's sister or older sister, he, I heard stories about in the sixties that, um, that, uh, uh, my ex's sister, you know, she was kind of high maintenance. She was maybe just, maybe she was just a kind of a, a child that required a lot of attention. She dropped her daughter off on the steps of a mental institution when she was only 10 years old, you know, like no, 
no good mother, good person does that. And I've talked to her, I've, I've talked to my, you know, my ex-sister-in-law about that. And, you know, she's, she was in her, she's in her sixties now, seventies, I believe. And I, you couldn't imagine, like, I couldn't, Im- and she still talks about it. And you can still see how it affects her. Like it, it, it really, really caused damage. Um, but in, then with the men in the family, the, uh, her son, um, her, her second oldest son, um, has been a heroin addict since he was 18 and he's in his late, he's in his sixties now. And as soon as he became a heroin addict, he was considered defective and like the family just uses him to, uh, to do all the grunt work when they need, when they need yard work done. Um, and I'm talking a family who, who has, uh, it feels like I'm maybe going off on a different subject here, but the family is, the, the family, her, her father was very wealthy. I mean, he, he owns quite a bit of land in downtown Albuquerque. He had a, a, a construction business that uh, did really well. Um, and like they've all been after his, after his money. And it, uh, and when he passed away, they thought that they were finally going to get their inheritance and the inheritance just went straight to the, to, to his wife, um, to his, you know, his, their, their stepmother. And so she's in control of all of it now. Um, but even after, you know, even yet, you know, even after now, it's, they, they all still think that there, there's going to be the time when, when the stepmom finally passes away and they're finally going to get their inheritance. And it's, it really is quite pathetic. Um, but what, you know, one of, and her mom, even then, even after her and her father were divorced in the seventies, she spent 30 years trying to get money out of, out of him because he was successful. Uh, but he would just pay her off sometimes just to shut her up. Um, you know, give her 20,000 here, give her 30,000 there just to, just to like stop her bothering them. Um, I mean, this is the, this was the, the, the mother of my ex-wife who, who I was basically pretty much married to as well because the two were inseparable and they had a, they, they were, they were, they were a one unit, um, so I was being controlled and manipulated not only by my ex-wife, but also by her mom. Um, and the other, you know, the other thing to note too is that every relationship that's had to last out of six kids in that family, the only relationships that have lasted are the ones that have moved as far away as possible from the mother. And, you know, well, her older brother <clears throat> who introduced me to paddling, he, uh, I remember him saying when he first met me, he looked at her and she, he said, Oh my God, he's just a kid and laughed and joked, but was kind of like, seriously, like this, he's a kid, like when referring to me and, um, he, him and his wife, they had to move to Hawaii to get away from his mom and her, his their she wasn't even allowed on his property at times. Like, because she's so high conflict 
and so manipulative. And she just tries to destroy every relationship that her kids are in. Um, Dan, I have an interesting question for you. You see that uh, in your situation, things are a bit different. Normally, when we talk to the guests, right, it normally ends up being a situation where they are together with someone and something happens and then they get alienated. It's not like your situation where you were forced into this relationship and then you were forced into this alienation as well. It's not like you you had a choice in any of this. So if somebody out there is in, in a similar situation just like yours where they accidentally got someone knocked up or something like that and then now they have to make a decision on figuring out what to do, what will your advice be for them? My advice to them would go, um, would, would cover the first base, which would be, do you want to keep the child or not? If it's yes, then my next step would be, how can we effectively co-parent to raise this, this child that we've both decided to bring into the world, or if she has decided to bring into the world. And, and, and I, as a, as a male and would, would that person out there, I would hope that they would want to be in that child's life. And, and if that is the case, then go get yourself educated on co-parenting, you know, whether you're in a relationship or not with this person, get, learn co-parenting skills, even before the child's born, uh, seek out counseling, um, to, to maybe sift through any issues you two may have. And if you two are, are, are committed to the raising of this child in a relationship or not, do your homework and find out what it takes to, to make that happen. Because there's plenty of people out there that whether they were married and had kids and they got divorced, whether they were a boyfriend or girlfriend, they had they child, you know, you know, came into, came into play. There's a lot of people out there that are doing it successfully. And this isn't, this isn't 1950. This isn't 1980 or, or even 1990. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dads out there engaged, you know, young dads in, in their children's lives. Like the world's changed. Mothers and fathers belong in, in a child's life equally. And, and if it's and if you're in a situation where, where it wasn't, uh, it it just happened to happen, you know, uh, uh, her getting pregnant just happened to happen and you want to raise them together build a foundation through as a friendship or as a couple and do whatever it takes to, to, to have open, transparent communication with one another and, and, and know that it takes self-sacrifice on both sides. I would say just do your homework to, to be an active couple. Normally when a parent goes through such alienation or high conflict divorce, they will have a tough time when it comes to moving on. They tend to have trust issues, fear that it will happen again and so on. How did you navigate that when it comes to your wife currently? 
it um it's that that is the love i have for my wife is like we love each other we're we're together we're committed to one another um that still doesn't mean that i don't have you know some some triggers and some issues um i do i i do have trust issues but my trust issues are not if she's gonna cheat on me or anything like that my trust issues are is she going to control me is she manipulating me is she is she saying what she means and and those those feelings and emotions are there and and i also know that those are manufactured feelings from being in a being in a toxic relationship and a in a toxic environment um for the last 20 years and and for myself and for anybody out there that's that's been in a relationship or been in the same situation where you've been manipulated and controlled for so long. Question whether or not your emotions and your feelings are, 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 are valid and true because, because I can, I can tell you with 95% certainty that they may not be. Um, I kind of, I kind of think about, uh, I kind of think about this thing David Goggins said, where you're, he, he said something to the fact that, to to the effect that like your mind will 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 always want you to take the easiest route first. Your mind, yeah, your mind will play tricks on you to take the easiest route first, and and. Um, it's the path of least resistance. And I, th- that act right there has been what has saved me um, for years. And even before I ever knew what David Goggins had said, but it's, ba- you know, it's basically your mind doesn't your mind you, 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 your mind doesn't know everything like you, you, you when you're in a situation where you have you're you're having trust issues and, and whatnot I, I remind myself that i came from i came from trauma i've got trauma to work through and it doesn't define me it is just a a, a uh, a boulder in my path that I've got to work around. And sometimes they're boulders. Sometimes they are stones that you got to walk past and get over. But I, I, I don't trust myself or, you know, I, 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 I don't get um, stoic in what I, I think I may be feeling. I, I, I question, I question what I'm thinking and, and, you know, it is, and it's saying it's easier, 
it's easier said than done. Um, there's been, there's been times where, you know, I've definitely had a really hard time and I am, I thank my lucky stars that I've got a wife that who is extremely smart, um, and has been in past relationships and she's, she's had a life of her, you know, uh, you know, of, of different experiences and she's, she's very wise. And, uh, she, she knows when I'm, when I'm having some issues, she knows that, that, uh, that I, that to just be patient with me. And I, and I work my, and I, and I work my, my, myself through whatever, you know, things I'm thinking or issues I'm having. Um, and it, it, it's not like, it's not like a, a magic, um, a magic bullet. And I, and like all of a sudden I don't have trust issues. I accept the fact that I, I may have trust issues for a long time, but it's a matter of to what, to, to what de- degree and what frequency. And, um, I, I, I don't, um, I don't fully, you know, I, I, I don't always believe everything that my mind thinks, I guess is really the best way to put it. Um, and I guess there's also this factor of realizing that, um, that, you know, know that you can, that you might be wrong. Like there, there's nothing wrong in, 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 in thinking that. And, and, um, it's just, it's just accept that you're, uh, that you've had some trauma and it doesn't define you. And it's something that you, that you can work through. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, one of the, the, one of the big ones, um, let me see here. So, one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons why I stayed in the marriage for as long as I did with her and took the psychological abuse from her and her family was because I had, I was because I had a couple, uh, bodies in Seattle brothers that, um, that I knew early on in my early twenties before I had met her, you know, one was, one was my roommate. Another one was a buddy, a buddy I worked with and they lived, you know, the brothers lived next door. Um, and, uh, their dad had, their dad had basically just walked away when they were, when they were younger and the older brother was old enough to remember everything. And it, it really bothered him. It really hurt him. And, um, he ended up having a drinking problem his whole entire life. And, uh, it, uh, he ended up, uh, taking his, his life a few years ago and leaving behind four sons. And, um, because I saw how much it affected him and his 
and his brother. Uh, I just, I, I, I didn't want to do that to, to, to my kids because I, you know, I was given every, you know, like I was pushed out and, and, you know, I basically, I could have walked away very easily and I, and I didn't, I chose not to. Um, but that being said, I would have definitely handled things differently. Um, being, you know, if, if, if the same thing happened again, um, I think one of the other things I would have done as well, um, when, when we had first got divorced is if I, I, I do wish I would have got child protection services involved, um, possibly early on, I, 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 or, or at least get, uh, a mediator involved with her and I, um, right from the get go, like, yeah, right. If, when she had moved to Maui right after the divorce and it went straight to the, you know, me not talking, the kids just slowly like only talking to me a couple times a week, right then and there is when I would have, I, I should have got a mediator. I should have got state help um, to make sure that she was following through on the parental, uh, on the, on the parental, um, on the, on the uh, divorce decree on the parental plan. Um, if I could recommend, you know, if I could suggest any, you know, any helpful info to anybody out there going through divorce or in divorce and they're talking to their children those few nights a week and are on their scheduled nights. If there's those nights where you're not getting, being able to get a hold of them and, and, and it happens, it's starting to happen quite a bit. You need to get help. You need to get a, a liaison. You need to you need to start recording it now. You need to start journaling what's happening because for me, I feel like that was a, a big mistake that I made was I wasn't journaling everything that happened. Um, and for my case, there were so many issues and problems that it just becomes everyday life, and you and you and you don't journal any of it, and then you start to get lost in the in the, in the, in the fuzz of all of it. So anybody out there start journaling and start seeking help, you know, maybe even through family wizard, um, to, to start having things recorded when, when, when it's Wednesday night at seven o'clock and you go, and that's the time that you call to talk to your children and they're not picking up that needs to get, that needs to get recorded. That needs to get journaled. Um, the, uh, the other, you know, the other obvious, uh, mistake I made was not opening up a child support case from early on. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I was, I was paying her through, through writing some checks, right. You know, cash, uh, sometimes not even getting like, you know, not, I would deposit, do deposits and whatnot. Like I should have opened up a child support case right from the start. So I had everything recorded, you know, there, my child support case, my child support case. Now that I opened up back in 2018, you know, I've got, I very luckily got, um, statements from her that child support was up to date, you know, that I had paid since 2009, almost 
I think I'm somewhere around 220 something thousand in child support at a $25 to $30 an hour wage. Like I've, I've lived in poverty. Um, and, and then the other situation that I was in really is, is stopped me from like, it has marginalized me to where I can't fight for myself. So, you know, number one, don't sign the papers that I signed where you get completely, you know, you go, you have, don't have a dollar to your name, but also open up a child support case, make sure everything is recorded, make sure every dollar is accounted for. The other one that I would say is, uh, I would say is if you do have any extra money and, uh, that you get from family or whatnot, I, my family, I, I never got a cent from my family's, you know, my mom's, a my mom works cleaning a, a high school and my dad's a HVAC guy, you know, puts in furnaces around Southern Colorado. Like I fought all of this on my own. Uh, my, my mother has only met my daughter once. She's met my son twice in the last 20 years. And same thing with my dad. So I fought all this. I've done all this on my own. I love my family. I, I, uh, I lost a lot of years with them because I was told that they didn't, you know, I was convinced by my ex that they didn't care about me because if they did care about you, why wouldn't, why don't they come and visit? You know, it wasn't that at all. My family's small town. My mom, I don't think has taken it, taken a, a flight in a, 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 taken a Boeing flight ever in her life. I, I maybe once in the last 40 years. Um, so all of this, I've, I've fought on my own. So if you do have family out there, get them involved. If they're, if they're even killed emotionally healthy family, get them involved, get them involved in, in your kids' lives. Uh, if they are, you know, if you have play dates with them, if they have play dates with your kids, you know, grandparents day, make sure, make sure that that happens and follow through on it. If she, if, if she or he is, is, is blocking the grandparents or making it difficult for, for them to see their granddaughter or grandson, um, follow through and make sure that that date happens. Make sure that uh, that that he or she doesn't get their way and blocks the relationship. Um, and if she does, she or he does try to block the relationship, you know, on a certain time and a certain date, get it journaled, get it recorded, because these are all things that will help you later on when you're when you're possibly in court and there's you know there's a, a blocking of the parental order. She's not following through, or he's not following through. At least you have something tangible to show a judge. Um, the uh, the other one is um, is don't let he or she get you into a, a a position where you're 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 angry and and upset. Um, I made the mistake. Uh, back in 2011 where we had a heated exchange um out in front of uh, a playground and it was it was for a track meet that my daughter was 
was at, and she gave me the wrong time. Um, cause she, you know, she never really gave me any info on what the kids activities were. And when she did, she'd always give me the wrong time. And I got there, the talk, the run had already happened. I, I got angry and she started yelling at me and started screaming at me. And then she started, uh, you know, saying that, uh, she was going to call the police if I kept trying to talk to her. And she got me so angry and upset, even though it, it is all falls on me for letting myself get upset and letting my anger get out of, out of control. As she drove off, I spit at the car and, and some of it landed on her. And, uh, that is one of the worst mistakes I made in, in the last 20 years with her. I let myself get so incredibly angry that it escalated to that point. And uh, that's a real deep regret that I have. Um, so, you know, any adv- advice I can get out, give out there is um, if you start feeling any anger, you know, if it towards the, towards your ex and especially if it's, in, you know, in front of her, or in front of your kids, don't give that to them. You are always better off disengaging and walking away and, and stepping out and stepping away from the situation because anything in anger never ends well. Um, so dis- disengage, disengage is, is as much as you have to, to, to end this end the situation to stop it from escalating. Um, I think uh, one of the other, one of the other ones that I'd also suggest doing is uh, if you have access to, um, to uh, your, your kids counselors at school, uh, and they do tend to talk to the counselor quite a bit. Make sure that you make sure you take the time to talk with the counselor and make appointments with them and stay in contact with them. Have an open open communication with them as as much as possible. My son was going through IEPs, and because she was a special education teacher, and me not, she just not only did I like not only was I disposable in her eyes as a father, but I also like, of course, didn't have any merit in being in my son's IEPs, which is total bullshit and not the case. I belonged in every IEP meeting that my son had and needed. And she had me convinced that I wasn't worthy to be there. And, uh, and don't let your ex, he or she do that to you. Um, if you have a son or daughter that's whether neurotypical or not show up at school meetings, show up at PTA or, you know, parent teacher conferences, talk to their counselors. If they're, if they have an IEP go, you know, be involved and, and engaged in the, in the, in the IEP. And for those like IEP is individualized education plan, you know, uh, for those that don't know what that acronym is, uh, but be engaged. Don't, um, don't be bullied into thinking that, uh, you don't belong in your children's, uh, schooling. Uh, that was another, 
you know, huge mistake that I made, you know, it was because she was a teacher and I wasn't. And, you know, the, the manipulation that happened to me over the years, it just, you get to a point where you feel like you don't have any value in, in, in the upbringing of your children. And, um, you know, my case is a little bit drastic in that, in that case, in that fat, in that element. But for those that are, you know, going through a, maybe a high conflict or going through a divorce and then are in a divorce, are divorced and, and you got kids in school, um, you could easily just not be engaged and just pick them up and drop them off, but not really talk to their counselors or teachers or whatnot. Uh, don't do that. Get to know their teachers and counselors on a first name basis. Um, for me, one of the red flags that I saw that I just happened to, to, to run into was uh, when my son was at a, a, a school in, um, in Maui. Uh, that, that ironically she had, she had sued the school that she worked at where my son had an IEP. She sued them with a really aggressive cutthroat lawyer and got the school to pay for my son to go to, to, uh, to, uh, another school on the Island that specialized in kids with special needs. And, um, while my son was there, uh, he, you know, he had a certain number of teachers and he also had a school counselor and, uh, the, the counselor that, um, was there, um, you know, uh, was someone who I just happened to run into one night. So there was a couple of people that I was, that I was paddling with and, um, hanging out with, you know, they were from a, a canoe club there. And she, she had invited me over to her house, uh, her and her roommate's house, um, where there everybody was having going there to have a barbecue. And so I go to this, I go to this barbecue, and um, we're all sitting there talking, drinking, you know, barbecuing some food, you know, just hanging out, talking story. And uh, this other girl that's there, we're looking at each other and we're trying to like figure out where we know each other from and night goes, you know, night keeps going by hour later goes by. And, and finally we're, we're sitting at the, at the kitchen table and it clicks. She goes, you're, you're, uh, you're, you know, my son, your dad. And I go, he, I go, you're his counselor. And she goes, yeah. And by this time she had, you know, she had been drinking, I had been drinking. So we were a little bit kind of loosened up a little bit and she, we got to talking and she tells me, you need to protect your son from her. And I go, what do you mean? And she says, she keep standing in in front of him every time he needs to work through an issue and she she can't do that to him he needs to be able to he needs to be able to work through through 
everyday life situations without having his mother engaged. And it is going to, it's going to escalate him and it's going to enable him to not get through, be able to get through life. And, uh, and I, uh, I, that kind of shook the earth a bit for me. I mean, it really did. And, uh, the years later, you know, when my son had started going to children's hospital and, and whatnot, like the same thing came up and it just, just goes to show you that, that had I not let my ex, uh, easily, so easily manipulate me, even after a counselor had warned me that she is toxic, you know, that she is uh, toxic to my, to my son. Um, she still was able to manipulate me as if I didn't have any value in his upbringing. Um, and his issues later on, and then him later on having issues in life. So, um, that's why I say get engaged with the counselors and get engaged with the school and get engaged with the teachers, get to know them on a first name basis. Um, is, is, is best possible. So, um, other advice I'd give is, uh, one of the, one of the mistakes I feel like I made in my divorce. And maybe this is not, uh, maybe this is not normal advice, but, um, but it might be good advice for some out there is because of the relationship I was in with her being so controlled and manipulated. Um, and then getting divorced, uh, my friend Mickey had told me that I shouldn't be in a relationship for, you know, three to five years after getting divorced. And, um, she said that because, you know, she was a little bit earthy, but she said that, but she, but she also had a good point saying, meaning that I needed time to heal, uh, after what I'd yeah, after what I'd been through, um, which would have really probably helped ground me to maybe tackle the problems that would later on happen in the, you know, in the next 10 years, I, maybe I would have been a little bit more grounded to, to get through them all. Um, I, she, she was very right. Uh, I, I really do look back at that time and I wish I would have taken that three to five years to, to heal and reform uh, a baseline for my, for, of, of self, for myself, um, for my children. Um, I, I, I found myself going from, you know, as soon as getting divorced, falling into one relationship after another. And that's not, that's not very right to do either. You know, the, uh, I got into a relationship with somebody that, you know, as soon as, as soon as my kids were moved away, uh, I was then convinced, you know, to move to Hawaii. And, and then I ended that relationship and I broke that girl's heart. I then, you know, moved to Hawaii. A couple of years go by, I, I end up getting another relationship and, um, it's somebody I, I cared about, you know, you know, she had, she had three boys and I was, a, you know, uh, uh, an a, a adult figure in their life. And, um, 
my ex knew that, uh, my ex knowing that I was in another relationship, she, she then, you know, did everything in her power to, to stop communication with me between my, my kids and I, and basically weaponized my children. And, and I knew that if I ended the relationship with her, that like, that maybe I would be able to talk to my kids again. And I did, I ended up ending that relationship because I was getting desperate to talk to my kids. And, you know, they think they, they call that trigger, uh, 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 trigger something. Um, but that, uh, that's not very, that's not the right thing to do either. I, I regret that I broke her heart. And not only did I break her heart, but I also broke her boy's heart because here was this male adult in their, in coming into their life that came into their life as fast as, as, as he left. No, we had only dated for six months and that was that. That's not fair to the, not fair to her, her kids as well. They, they loved me and, you know, she cared about me and that is not right to do either. And that is, that's a, that's a, that's a regret that I have. Um, so really it's may not be, may not be typical, uh, may not be run of the mill advice, maybe, maybe kind of different, but I, I would really suggest taking a few years of alone time after, after getting divorced and, uh, and keeping your focus on your kids and, and, and your own mental health. Um, I'd say another one is, uh, is with you dealing with a high conflict X, um, you know, like I've said before, just don't, uh, don't communicate with her, uh, directly. If every time you do, it always ends up in, in conflict, uh, get a third party involved. Family wizard is great from what I've heard and from what I've read about, uh, you know, if, if you're in, if you're in a divorce with a high conflict, uh, X set very, very firm boundaries of, of what, uh, of what's expected. And, um, and if you do need to communicate with her, uh, through email, um, we keep it very, very basic and just, just the data that the, just the info that's needed in, in, in relation to your kids. Um, I, the other, uh, another, uh, point I want to make too is, um, when I first started reading, uh, about parental alienation and borderline personality disorders and narcissism and what all of this meant. And, you know, when you go online and you start doing Google searches of what's going on, what's happening in your life, there's a lot of, there's a lot of groups out there that, uh, that are very toxic and they, uh, they can really, uh, destroy your mindset. Um, when I I was doing Google searches and, and finding a voice for men and Dr. T and you go, you find MGTOW and, uh, all these, you know, 
all these, you know, these men's, there's men and men's rights groups that are like, that you, you start looking into them and reading, reading what they're saying. And you start thinking like, oh, this makes sense. Like, oh yeah, they're going through the same thing I'm going through. And, and you, and you start to get caught up in the hate that these groups and entities have. It's kind of just embedded into their culture. And that, that doesn't, that doesn't solve anything. It, all it does is get you more angry and more upset at the situation that you're in and that this, and the situation that your kids are in. And I would write really highly recommend if you're out there and you're starting to search around for, for, you know, keywords or narcissism and borderline personality disorder and parental alienation, direct yourself, keep it, keep in mind that you need to direct yourself to, to, to info that's equal and, 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 and isn't gender bashing because there's a lot of female gender bashing in a lot of these groups. Um, if you're a man out there and it's, you need to stay away from that stuff. It, uh, it's toxic. I got caught up in it for a few months and it, it didn't, it didn't do me any good. It didn't solve the damn thing. All it did was just make me feel like I was in a, 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 a hopeless and helpless situation. Um, you know, I, I've, the, the best help, the best, uh, info that I got, um, that started redirecting me on a better, um, outlook and a better, uh, uh, frame of mind was, um, when I had spoke to, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Baker, um, back in 2018, 29, uh, 2018, she, uh, I had heard her on the Beyond uh, Divorce podcast uh, when I was looking up parental alienation in the search bar for podcasts, and um, in her, in you know, listening to her, that it, that was the first time I I felt like this is like this is constructive, um, uh, positive, um, educational knowledge that 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 i that i that i wish i would have come across years before you know back in 2015 2014 2016 um and she had left her number at the at the end of that podcast and you know said to anybody going through parental alienation or or why not reach out if you need help you know looking for a counselor and whatnot and so um i i had called her and i talked to her and we talked for 10, 15 minutes. And she told me from, from, she said within the first two minutes of us talking that she knew that I was suffering from CPTSD, um, from all the years of conflict and, and trauma that I'd, uh, been through with my ex. And that right there was even though the last two years were incredibly hard, especially after that restraining order, that right there at least told me, okay, she's right. Like I, 
I do have these, I, 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 I do suffer from PTSD. I do suffer from C, CPTSD. Uh, at least I know, at least I know what I have to, to work on. You know, at least it makes you feel like you're not going crazy. Um, and so, you know, that really helped. So, you know, if you're in my advice, just to really reiterate it, is stay away from any Facebook hate groups um, that 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 don't solve anything when it comes to uh, to to being it when when it's not positive and uplifting. You need to you need to walk away from that too, as much as you need to walk uh, walk away from a a situation that could that is started in anger. Facebook groups are the same exact way. You just need, you just not need to not engage and, and not be a part of those groups. Um, save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of headache. Um, you know, <clears throat> um, I think, uh, the other one where you're talking about, uh, what, um, what, uh, has has helped me uh pull through a lot of it is um you, you want me to go over this sk is that okay yep for sure everything that you have said so far is super valuable so go on yeah okay gotcha so like when you had asked me what um how how like how i like survived uh all of this i've been i've been kind of lucky to um to have surrounded myself with um with uh i guess what's the i've i've been lucky to surround myself with driven people and a lot of those driven people i i i found within the paddling community um a couple of the driven people I just happened to work with, um, the canoe shop, the, the, this, the board shop I worked at in Maui, uh, the owner was very driven. Um, he wanted to succeed, uh, in business and, and athletically. And that drive, um, was something that I observed and, you know, saw every day and it rubbed off on me. Um, and this, and, and the same exact thing at the canoe shop I worked at in Maui, it, uh, there was a lot of drive to succeed. There was always drive for perfection or whatever we were doing and, you know, a major drive athletically and, and, you know, the, the owner of that shop that I worked for, he had also went through, he was also going through a divorce. Um, when I had gone back to try to fight my, fight my case in Oregon and he, he went through a divorce and, um, you know, his ex was, you know, I think, um, was a little bit more, way more even killed than my ex. And he was able to kind of, to, you know, um, work his way through it and work, you know, and, and restart his life and like basically just, just keep moving forward and, you know, 
it, that kind of told me like, okay, that's my, my life is a little bit different, but I also, you know, I can also keep pushing forward. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that way. Uh, so, but I've also, but I've also in like intentionally always wanted to make sure that I've surrounded myself with driven and, um, and successful people. And, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm successful, but I think survive, uh, being alive, breathing, uh, to this day after being what I've been, what I've, after going through what I've been through, I'd say that's success. Um, the, uh, so one of the things I would say is, is, is try to try to surround yourself with encouraging and positive people and, and people that are, that are neutral, you know, they're not, uh, they're not extreme in one way or another, you know, that's, that's, that to me is really huge. You know, I think we're to be like ambivalent, you know, you want to find people that are neutral, encouraging, positive, um, and, and understanding, you know, anybody that, uh, I, uh, that, that would, would seem to just be really hateful about their ex or really angry about the world and whatnot. I, I've always like, I think unconsciously really like not engaged with those types because maybe it's out of survival. Maybe it's, maybe it's because I, I know that that's not good for me. But I, you know, I, I would say that that's probably good for really anybody, especially going through any, any issues like what I've gone through. Um, and I also, I think that like the, the other thing too, is to remind yourself that, uh, you're not perfect. You make mistakes. We're all human. Um, I made plenty of mistakes in the last 20 years and, uh, and it's taken me a lot of head work to get through it, but I also don't want to, you know, I also, I don't want to just keep repeating the mistakes. I, I want to keep making a better life for myself so that when hopefully the time comes that there is reunification with my kids, that I'm not completely destroyed, you know, and that's, that's the one thing you can't let happen to yourself. If you're an alienated parent, it's like, you can't, you can't let them destroy you. That's, that's not allowed. Like it's, it's not okay. Like you can't let yourself get destroyed. Um, and you know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the things that I think is, uh, is really honestly imperative with, with getting through like the dark times of when, when you do feel like, like there's no hope is like, you have to, you have to do something productive. Um, and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter really what it is. Like there's that old adage of, of, you know, make your bed every day if if you're so down that like you feel like you have no hope start doing 
the little things th- that that uh, that will hopefully maybe help you to get through it all. You know, like cleaning your room, cleaning the, you know, doing the dishes, vacuuming, cleaning the apartment, do cleaning your house, doing whatever you have to do to keep yourself going. You know, you can't just sit and idle because when you sit and idle, it's going to, it's going to make things worse for you. It's going to let you get caught up in your head. You get sad about the situation that you're in. Um, and if you can start getting yourself active, you know, one of the things that got me through, um, when she had come after me for, you know, the, that 40 something thousand dollars that, you know, was uncalled for, it was, I started, I started doing push-ups and I started doing sit-ups at home. And, you know, I started off with, you know, 20 push-ups, 20 sit-ups, and I eventually worked it up to a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups. And then I started working it up to 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups. And then I started feeling a little bit better about myself. I started my, my, I was the, the anxiety and depression that I was feeling inside started to subside. And, um, it, uh, physical activity really, really helps. I mean, it may not be like the, the be all end all for some people out there, but, but it may really help some people out there as well. So, um, it's, it's really easy as an alienated parent to, 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 to live in a, a headspace of, of despair and no hope. And, um, And those things are real. Those feelings are real and, and they're to be acknowledged, but they're also not to define you. You know, and I guess, you know, another piece of advice also would, would be, um, is, uh, get yourself involved in community as well. Um, you know, for me, my ex had me feel like I was just, you know, that I had nothing to offer the world, you know, other than, other than, other than child support. And, uh, uh, one of the things that really helped me was, uh, was I started getting involved in, in like, I, I joined a club, uh, like an, you know, a sport club, outrigger club that, um, you know, has its issues of its own. Um, but I also got involved in, uh, you know, rate, uh, in a cancer fundraiser where, you know, we, we paddle for 24 hours straight on and off. And, uh, and I knew doing that and I've done it for, I didn't do it last year because of COVID, but you know, I did it for three years prior. That community service helps helps you remind yourself that that you're not the you're not the, the the person that your ex wants you to hope that your ex wants you to think you are you know any like i remind myself that that community service that i do it is in in at the root a selfish act but it's an, a selfish act that it, it because it does make you feel better about yourself but it also helps others as well so if you if you can get yourself involved in in 
in community and, and, and volunteer if you can, if you have the time, because, uh, it, it gives back to you. Um, it, it, it does help you. Um, if, if you, um, if you do get yourself involved in, um, in any, you know, extracurricular activities and, uh, you know, communities out there and whatnot, uh, you got to make sure I would say, I would suggest that, that, uh, that it, like it, that there is minimal drama, right? There's, there's drama in every really subgroup or sub, uh, element of, of life out there, you know, whether it's, you know, the people that you see at the gym or people you work with, or, you know, for me, people I paddle with or people that, uh, you know, maybe do the same hobbies as you or, or, or whatnot. Like there's always, there's always that little, you know, you know, coconut wireless going on or, 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 you know, chit chat and, and drama that happens, right. It's, it's a natural element that happens in life. Some, sometimes it's, it's more than normal or more than it should be. And for me, I found that because I've gone through years of trauma and manipulation and, and hurt and despair and, and, and pain for me, I, and I maybe, and also maybe become also because I was from a small town where everybody does talk about everybody. I've noticed that I am very sensitive to what others may be thinking of me. And especially when you're an alienated parent, you also wonder like, Whoa, I wonder what those people think of him. Like what he doesn't have his kids in his life. Is he a piece of shit? Is he this? Is he that? you can, you can get yourself caught up in, in, in drama. Um, so, so, or get caught up in what you think people are thinking about you. So when it comes to being involved in any extracurricular activity, those extra correct extracurricular activities are very good for you, but they can also be kind of bad for you too, if it's an, in an unhealthy environment. Um, so you gotta, for me, I found that I was very sensitive to what others may be, may be gossiping or, or, or talking about. And I don't think it did me any good. So um, there's, you know, situations and um, that I, I feel like I should have walked away from or ne- never really joined to begin with. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind, you know, you can, you can, you can be a part of a, be a part of a club or be a part of a, uh, uh, an activity and, and not have to be fully engaged in it to still get the re- rewards from it. You know, if it's a, if it's a Saturday meetup where you guys go, everybody goes and runs the hill, then so be it. Um, doesn't mean you have to like get engaged with the politics that that go along with the group meetup and who's involved in what and who sets the course and what, you know, like, just show up, enjoy the run, go back home. Same thing as with me. Show up on Saturday, go paddle for a couple hours, come back in, go home. You don't have to engage with all the politics involved. And if you come from 
the background of, of going through parental alienation, um, it, it, it may not getting involved in the drama may not do any good. So just try to, to try to keep any drama around you, um, at bay as best possible. Um, another one too, is that, that also helps me as well is, um, like, is as an alienated parent, um, don't, uh, when you, when you see mothers and fathers out there, uh, out there with their kids out, out in the world, out in the community, like, I think for some people that I've picked, I've picked up on over the years, I can, I can sometimes pick up that some people are jealous or, you know, bitter about those, uh, 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 about what's happened to their relationship with their kids and whatnot. And, um, don't let yourself go there. Don't let yourself get bitter. You know, you see, you see a father and son like out there, you know, hanging out, having ice cream or riding their bikes or playing basketball or, or just talking and having coffee or, or, you know, if they're older, of course, or they're just out there, you know, pushing their, their kids around on the stroller, be happy for them. Like, that's a beautiful thing to see. And that's something that we should be all striving for is that there's mothers and fathers out there equally out there involved in their kids' lives. Like that's the goal. The goal is to have those kids have their mom and dads with them in, in involved in their lives. You know, it's not something to be bitter about. Um, I think the other one is uh is uh you you gotta kind of forgive yourself um for uh for for what you're stuck in for for what's what's happened in your life i mean for me it's it's uh it's forgiving myself is, is finally, um, it finally, it, it got me to a, to a point where I could, I could get past a, a lot of the, a, a lot of the anger that I felt towards my ex. Um, and is, as crazy as it sounds like I, uh, one of the things that has really helped me with, with, uh, with the feelings that I've had towards my ex for, you know, how she's affected my life. I mean, she really flipped my life upside down for the last 20 years, my relationship with my kids, uh, financially, emotionally, um, you know, you can go to a dark place inside your mind and, uh, that's not a good place for you to be. And, um, the best thing that's helped, that's helped me is, is, and I'm not talking from a religious standpoint or, or anything like that, but, um, is I, I like 
forgiveness for what she's done. And that may be like a really hard pill to swallow for some out there. For me, um, it's helped me. It's helped me get past some of the, a lot of the anger that I have felt towards her for what's happened. Um, because, you know, I, I think to myself that, okay, what if tomorrow she, uh, she came to me and said, I want to try this again. I know that if I, if I forgave her for, for what has happened, um, from this point back, but also handled it very differently than how I have handled it in the last 10, 20 years by getting a third party involved, that would be ultimately better for my children, you know, because ultimately for my children, the one of the best things that could happen from this point forward is for their parents to get along and co-parent them even into adulthood. And that's putting your children first. If you want to put your children first, you need to forgive your ex, you know? Um, But you also, at the same time, don't have to go through the pain and trauma and, and, and trouble that she may cause. What you can do is take the higher road, give forgiveness, but also set boundaries and get, and, and, and get yourself um, situated to a point with a third party uh, family wizard, whatnot to, to uh, really um, keep the parameters um, you know, surrounding the surrounding any, any positive uh, movement forward, if that makes sense. Um, I think for her, you know, I, I look, I, I look back at what she, you know, I also, I, I also try to look back at all of this too, is, is it's, it's not just her as an individual who has caused me all this, all these, you know, caused so much hurt and pain. Um, it, it really truly is generational trauma. Um, I got a, a few friends that, uh, uh, are first nations and they, you know, that's generational trauma is something that is, is very, is a very big deal in their community. And, um, some get past it and some don't. And, uh, and with my ex, I, I look at it as she's got generational trauma, you know, whatever happened to her at, uh, at a young age, which I imagine she got sexually assaulted and it's manifested into um, her being narcissistic and borderline personality disordered and manipulative and controlling and uh, demanding. Like a lot of it's all based in, you know, fear. And I, uh, I'm so sad for her. I'm sad that that happened to her. Um, and I'm sad that, 
it's it's had such an impact on her life. Um, at the same time, you know, the opportunity comes up to make amends and 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 find a positive step forward. I would happily uh, help her along so that my children have two loving parents. Um, I think the other one is, uh, is, is your situation, you know, if you are dealing with parental alienation, if you are, you are, you are dealing with what's, what, what we, what we're all here for, you know, what we're all talking about is, is for me, I, I held, I've held a lot of it in for a long time. And, you know, even though I lived on in Maui, I was very much alone, um, for a long part of a, a, a good part of it. You know, I had a couple friends, um, but you know, they weren't married and had kids. They, they didn't quite know, understand what I was going through. Um, if you're going through parental alienation and you're going through high conflict, you need to get a counselor. You need to get a, you need a, you need to talk about it. You need to talk, openly talk about it with people that, um, that may get it and are, are positive encouraging link. I was talking about, um, I think the other one too, is when it comes to, you know, drinking and drugs and, and, and hurt and pain and despair. I, uh, I had a, my grandfather was, uh, was an mom. My mom's side was an alcoholic. Um, same thing on my dad's side. My dad, my dad's dad was also a heavy drinker. They had, you know, my, they had both come from, come from war. Uh, so, you know, they were dealing with their, they were dealing with their demons through alcohol. And, you know, that there is also generational trauma. Um, for me, uh, because I had to kind of fight for myself at an early age, um, I have always kind of had this survival mechanism kind of built into me. Um, I mean, I was always the kid getting teased at school. I was always, uh, I'm smaller in stature, you know, in size. I've always, you know, I, I grew up in a town where Jack Dempsey was the icon of the town where you know, he was a boxer from the twenties. And we all, if we had any issues with each other in school, you know, it was, let's meet behind the Jack Dempsey museum and fist fight. And, uh, I, I look back at that and I think sometimes like that may have put a built in survival mechanism in me. Um, that's never let me fall into, into drowning my sorrows and drinking or drugs because I saw how, what happened to my, you know, my, both my grandfathers, my, you know, my, my mom, my mom's dad, my grand, my grandfather on my mom's side uh, committed suicide at, at, uh, I think 57, my grandpa on my dad's side, you know, he drank, smoked and chewed and literally died playing poker. Um, 
like every vice known to known to man he was doing at the same time and he he i looking back at that i i think that always to me was like a warning sign of like if you want a short life that's what you that's what you that's what you do so if you don't want to have a short life don't do that um so i'm lucky that way that i've got this a kind of a survival mechanism built in um and if you don't have that survival mechanism built in start building it by one push up at a time one sit up at a time one long walk at a time um the uh thinking about that actually i, I would one of the things i heard on a hubberman lab podcast was uh one of the ways to work through traumatic um uh you know experiences was uh well, one of the doctors had said you know just the simple act of walking and looking around and the eye movement of going back and forth left to right up and down and whatnot observing your environment while you're moving forward that actually helps uh that helps with trauma and for me i think paddling uh the the paddling forward the physical exertion the the observe environment my environment watching the water always like i mean being very in tune with my outside environment i think that has helped me and it, it didn't dawn on me how it had helped me until i listened to that hubberman lab podcast um so you know any advice out there if you if you, you need to build you need to build that survival mechanism in you and and one of the best ways is getting going on long walks going out on a hike getting outside getting out into the wilderness getting out on trails getting fresh air in your system like you have to be kind to yourself or you or 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 you'll take a very hard road harder than what you've been down so be kind to yourself um the uh I'd say one of the other things is um, is don't uh, don't think that when you do start feeling better and and that you know you may you know be feeling like oh you don't have any problems it's really the time to really uh, keep an eye out for yourself because I have found that even though like I've found ways to keep moving forward and keep getting through life and keep getting through the problems and staying active and staying engaged. Um, I still have these, um, these, uh, these triggers in me that, um, that I, that I have to be aware of. And, you know, one of the things that happens with me now in my life is, is when things start getting, traumatic and things start getting or not traumatic but when things start getting hard or or threatening or or i feel like you know like or like say i'm having an uh a disagreement with my wife like i fall into this i fall i i i fall into this this fight or flight um instinct and uh and i and i I can't do that. That's, you know, like, that's not, that's not healthy. That's not fair to your partner. That's not fair to yourself. Um, 
you know, like keep it in mind that you, that you're going to be dealing with some residual, um, issues from going through, going through a lot of trauma and pain and, uh, and, you know, don't let your mind think that, uh, that, um, it's right. You know, your mind, you're, you, you, you know, you, you need to, you know, question and dig deep to make sure what you're thinking is, 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 is what's happening. Um, the, uh, the, um, one of the, with the physical activity that I've done, I mean, there's the, the, uh, there's that element to it that, um, that when it starts getting really hard, um, when you've, you know, you've been out there, like I've been, there's times where, when I was starting to, to do voyaging where, you know, I'd paddled for 18 hours, 14 hours. And, uh, your mind starts telling you like, okay, it's time to sleep or it's time to, uh, it's time to like, you know, if it's your turn to get in the canoe and everybody, you know, a few other people have said, no, they don't want to. It's very easily for you to say, you don't want to either. And you could very just easily just not. And somebody else take your place. That's your mind trying to make, try just trying to get you comfortable. Um, and, and just that act of that happening, um, you know, your mind trying to help, trying to make you find comfort. Um, that's the same, that's the same thing as, is is getting depressed and getting, um, in a position of, you know, in, in a place of despair and hurt and pain. Like there's, of course you're going to have hurt, of course you're going to have despair, but, um, uh, face the pain and, uh, lean into it because that's the, uh, that's the only way you're going to, you're going to be able to, to really start to move forward. I have found at least for myself, um, you know, uh, for a long time there, it, uh, I had this, uh, this container of all my kids drawings and photos of them and artwork they had done from elementary school. And, uh, and you know, it, you, you get sometimes to a point as an alienated parent that even like just a photo of them can be a trigger and, and spin you out of control. And, and, uh, one of the best things that I've done for myself is, is go through photos of my kids and look at them and look at the artwork that they've done and look at the, the paintings that they've, they've done and that they did. And, 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 and work through that pain and let yourself feel that pain because ignoring it doesn't solve anything. Yeah, I guess my best advice is to lean into the pain and seek help. 
those are some of the best advices that I've heard on these podcasts, especially on how to handle your alienation and all that. I'm glad that you are in a position in your life where you can now advise others and you have gone through this and you really understand the pain that a parent goes through when they go through alienation and abduction and so on. Now, if your kids are listening to this particular podcast and you get a chance to talk to them through this podcast, what will you say? Um, my message to them would be um, I'm so sorry for any pain that uh, uh, I've caused you through the, the issues with that your mom and I have had and uh, know that I think about you every single day and a lot way more than one time a day. I think about you every minute of the day. Um, I love you guys. I miss you guys. I miss you. And I, uh, um, all I want is for us as a, a family unit to move forward and, and, uh, and not harbor so much pain and hate. Uh, for each other, uh, we uh, we all deserve to be happy, and you guys deserve to have a father in your life, and I deserve to have my kids in my life, and uh, nobody deserves. None of us have de- deserved the pain and hurt, I think that we've all experienced. And, um, um, I, uh, I hope that one day we can all sit down and talk and start moving forward and start reforming relationships with each other because I miss you guys dearly. Yeah. That's all. That's all. All right, then. Thank you so much for spending hours with us explaining everything that happened to you and also sharing the lessons that you have learned along the way. I know that it's going to help a lot of parents who are going through similar situation as yours. Again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Now, I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you're not alone in this. With that said, if you need specific legal advice, please get your own independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor, or if you happen to have a difficulty in understanding certain parts of this episode, please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarifications. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone, and if you have further questions or comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview or this podcast, you can email me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you're someone who got separated from your own parent and would like to find your parent again, please go to www.findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you're part of an NGO or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page in findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. But I'm
All right, folks, that's it for this week. Speak to you next week. Take care. Till then. See